Level Up Latina partners with working women and mamas alike to guide them in achieving fulfilling career and life goals through financial empowerment, professional or leadership coaching, and personal wellness. Find the unique coaching you need to succeed. You're listening to Vero, Ceci, and Irene, and we are Level Up Latina. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 88 of the Level Up Latina podcast. Today, we have Evelyn Lemos, formerly Valle, as our guest. Evelyn is one badass psychologist and our dear friend from UC Santa Barbara, who has paved the way for many Latinas in the mental health field. Her background includes a BS in psychology from UCSB, go gauchos, and a master's in counseling with an emphasis on marriage and family therapy from Cal State Fullerton. Evelyn has been committed to her field for 15 years, and in the last five years, she has specialized in addiction disorders. We are excited to have you, Evelyn, and thankful for bringing this topic to the table. It is so important for our community to stay informed and to look from professionals like yourself. We are honored to have you. Bienvenida. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. I'm so excited to be here and just answer whatever you guys got for me. We have a, a long list of questions and we're going to have good conversation. You're the expert. You're the professional. You've got this. And I can't wait. We can't wait for you to share all you know with our listeners. Like we've had several mujeres messages about Latinas and addiction, Latinas and mental health. So we're doing our best to give information out there because it is important for us to take care of ourselves and take care of that mental health aspect of our well-being. Before we get started talking about all that good stuff, tell us about your background, your upbringing, where were you born? Give us all that those little juicy details. Yeah, nice. So I was uh, born in Long Beach, so local South Bay, California. And I grew up in Wilmington, which I don't think a lot of people know where Wilmington is. So I always say it's kind of like the armpit between San Pedro and Long Beach. So it's like the little bridge will take you in between our little cities, but it's pretty much where the port is. A lot of people know El Puerto de San Pedro, they come in mariscos over here. So those are kind of like reference points, but um, it's a very small city, super Latino and um, interesting. Interestingly, because of the way the districts are broken up, I was a bust kid to San Pedro. And so because I was bust over there, it was almost like a blessing in disguise because that's how um, they put me into like the magnet program and basically like escalated me to um, to end up being in a magnet program to go to to go to college. Um, so I was a, a bus kid where I met a lot of my best friends on the bus. Um, every morning we would go and be with all the rich kids and then come back home. And <laughs> so that was um, the first time. Well, I was probably 12 when that started happening. And then so going to UCSB felt very similar to me because it was being a Latina around a lot of basically white people. And that was a shock as far as like the amount of the growing up at Wilmington, lots of lots of Latinos. And it's crazy because now I work in Carson, which is right next to Wilmington. So this is the first time, well, the last five years I've worked in the same area that I grew up with. So it's a, it's very cool to do that. And so, yeah, so that's how I ended up at UCSB. So I'm very thankful for being a bus kid. And then I went to Santa Barbara and that's how I met you guys. And so then I got into psych you know, it was weird. I always thought I was going to be in this field. I was like one of those kids that just knew like, okay, I'm going to work with people. I'm going to be in psychology. And then you get into uh, Santa Barbara and it was so hard. Like you had to have a GPA to get into the major of psychology. Yeah. And Vero, you were uh, with me in some classes. Yes. And um, 
It was hard. Yeah, it was really hard. <laughs> I, I was telling Evelyn, I'm like, oh my God, that just took me back to our my worst nightmare of sleeping through a final. Uh, we were both up. We weren't, I wasn't really into all-nighters. I didn't like that unless I was partying. But for studying, I couldn't do all-nighters. And for some reason, Evelyn and I thought it was a good thing to do. This class was super hard, like she mentioned. It was, it seemed like we were already in upper division classes, but it seemed like they were still weed out classes. Like our psychology professors were just so bland, unapproachable. It was damn hard, like she said. So slept through a final. <laughs> Evelyn still went, we, we went to the class and uh, unfortunately I was just like, I, girl, I was the first time I lied to someone to like, I wouldn't have an F on my report card. Evelyn was like, I'm gonna retake the class. I'm gonna take it. For me, it was a time to pivot to a different department. And then I, Evelyn was like, no, I'm going to stick with, with psychology. I've seen her through this journey and I'm like, props to you. But I'm glad I shifted. I pivoted because it really brought what I liked, but Evelyn just killed it in the psychology aspect. Yeah, it was. I remember that it was, uh, yeah, we slept through the final and uh, yeah, it was, but I was, estaba ferrada. you know what I mean? Like, you know, when you like just kind of are determined to just do it, like I, there were, and especially because I was a Latina, like I was like, no, like, this is what I said I was going to do. So I'm going to do it. And I remember that my first few classes, I didn't do so well. And academically, I think I've done well, just like, you know, like, you know how some people are good test takers and some yeah, people you are had not. It. And, you naturally had it probably. But then, but I never had to try so hard until I was there. And that was a trip for me because I was like, what? Like a CE? Mm. Como que no, you know? And so I was like, oh, I actually have to study and memorize and do my work. And that's when I, so it was kind of a combination of I was stubborn. I wanted to do it. And then I, it was almost like I needed to prove it to myself. Like I could do it. And, and anyway, so that's how I ended up um, with the BA or BS in psychology at, at Santa Barbara. So I was really just excited like it was just a huge accomplishment to just even have that but I think a part of it was I was just stubborn you know <laughs> so then Evelyn what made you study psychology besides and also what kept you so focused focused on it to get to accomplish that area of study and then anything in particular that triggered you wanting to be in this field? Yeah. You know, what's funny is that someone that will always say, like, um, if you're ever in a therapy session, um, like it takes a few minutes and you'll be talking about your parents and like, you know, and a little bit. So um, for, for me, it was it was my brother and I. OK, we're like apples and oranges. If anyone ever knows it. So there's three of us. So he's the oldest. I'm the middle. And my sister, she's 10 years younger than I am. So my brother and I grew up close together and he's he was always ahead of me in school and people would always compare us like you're your Jose's sister. Like that's your brother. That's. And so we were just polar opposites. Like, like no te imaginas how different we were. And so because of that, I always wondered like, how is it that we came from the same parents and we're so different? Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. And he caused a lot of issues at home. So it was, it was just kind of, I wanted to solve a puzzle, you know, and I, I'm like, there has to be a reason, like it can't just be. And so then I got into, introduced to psychology. So I think a part of it was um, really wanting to understand the nature of, of people, you know, like why we are who we are and nature versus nurture and, you know, all that. Like, um, so yeah, just, I think curiosity and then definitely my home, you know, just wanting to understand like, what the heck, like, how is this even possible? Um, like I said, especially coming from 
same parents, same, like we literally did went to same school. So, I mean, was it gender? Was it like, what was it? So, so I think personally it was um, trying to figure out the reasons of why we are who we are. That's trippy. I, I remember meeting your brother, not knowing he was your brother. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I had known Evelyn her entire time. You guys at Santa Barbara. Did you guys know she had a brother? No, I'm like, I'm like, no. I had no idea. I always thought you were the oldest. And like, as you're telling your story, I'm thinking like, yeah, yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, because we're the oldest. We're the oldest. And then you mentioned the brother. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no. Ceci's theory was like, yeah, we're disciplined because we're the oldest. And then she realizes she, she's got a brother. <laughs> and you know, yeah. my question that's on the tip of my tongue is, tell me why. You were so curious that you get the answer to why you and your brother were so different. Oh gosh. Oh, and after or is so that a many huge question? Studying, yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of like nature versus nurture, still figuring it out, you know, and and just uh, you know, everyone's different, you know, just it, it is like my husband, there's nine siblings in his family, so they're all seven girls and two boys and they're all different, you know. So eventually you come to realize like all right, maybe we we don't have all the pieces to the puzzle, but I can be cool with the pieces. <laughs> yeah, that is so trippy. I remember that. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to share that really quickly, okay? I went to grab a, yes. a drink. <laughs> I went to grab a drink at the village, the, the Alpine. village Alpine Village in Torrance, where they do the Oktoberfest. So they have a little bar that's open all year round. It's like a little lodge. Um, I stopped in to have a drink, and there's this guy, you know, tending bar, Alto, you know, like, you know, I could tell he's, you know, Raza. I'm like, all right, cool, super cool guy. And he hears me talking about uh, graduating UCSB. And he goes, oh, you might know my sister. I go, I might. What's her name? Evelyn, Evelyn Valle. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> I'm like, that is like one of my closest friends. What do you mean? Huh? You know, le dije, like, oh, she never mentioned you. But I was just like, well, it's good to meet you. Next thing you know, I'm like, Evelyn, what the hell? Pick up the phone, call her. I'm like, I had no idea. She's like, yeah, I have a brother. And obviously, there we go, you know? Mm -hmm. So see, we're it gonna still happens. It still happens. It still happens. <laughs> so figuring out the bits and pieces, the bits and pieces, you know? And Vettel's like, wait, not just a brother, but a brother that can hook me up with booze? He worked yeah. on it? Hello. Oh Why wouldn't you? <laughs> Come on now. Why wouldn't you share that information, you know? You I wouldn't find him in the South. <laughs> you can still find him in the South Bay. He's still a great bartender. Uh, he's a great <laughs> deal, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so trippy that, you know, that it sparked up that 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 curiosity, right? The fact that just seeing within your own home and the noticing the differences, like you've always been so like a critical thinker. You don't like play to it, but you are, you're very like, let me dissect it. Let me understand it. You want to fully grasp, you know, concepts and ideas and just dissect things to fully get it. So as Latinos, I think it's rarely a topic that we get into, you know, psychology, you know, uh, seeing therapists um, and this conversation like, Por qué somos así? and what, why, what have you like come about where it's like, why do you, why do you think that is that we're, we rarely talk about that? So I think it's a big uh, cultural issue. I, I was I was thinking about, you know, I think our, our parents were, you know, they, they immigrated here, they were on survival mode, you know, let me just like feed my kids, dress my kids. Um, and I think kind of their I, love language or their, I, their way of showing their love was, okay, here's your food, you have a roof over your head, you have shoes, you're good. So I think anything above that just seems like weird. You know, you just tough it out. You're, you feelings are just something that are, that is normal that you, you know, yes, you're going to have a bad day and what, or, you know, and, uh, 
And so I don't think it's very, I think it's a generational thing. I think it's cultural. You know, some people might call it generational trauma where, you know, we keep repeating it over and over again. And so really it's um, just, you know, when you look at the hierarchy of needs, it's, it's uh, feelings are kind of higher, you know, they're not, they're not at the beginning. So I think um, I'm, I'm going to assume, especially for my family, it was definitely, you know, they're hustling. My parents worked all the time. I was sent to school. And, you know, so really the I love yous, the I'm proud of yous, the words, like, I guess the words of affirmation were, didn't really exist. It was more like, ya existe tu tarea, or, um, que agarraste una B? You know, like, like my first B mm-hmm. yeah. was like, was like the heart attack of the, of the, of the family. And so um, I think, just words, language, feelings are not part of something that we do. And even to this day, you know, um, I have sessions all the time where I, I, people think they're crazy or have a hard time thinking like, oh, I need help. And so it has a negative connotation, right? Like if you go to, if you need a therapist, that means something's wrong versus, oh, I just need to go talk to someone just to vent it out. So um, it's, it's really interesting what happens in our culture and, and, and in a lot of minority cultures too. Like I worked in Orange County for a long time and with the Vietnamese community and they're very similar to the Latinos. Um, and we would teach parenting classes to Vietnamese parents and, and Spanish speaking parents. And it was the same issues, just different language. Right. And um, it's, it's, it's usually not until people like get a migraine or algo les pasa, right? Like they think they're having a heart attack and they go to the doctor and the doctor basically says nothing's wrong. Like you probably have stress and you should probably go talk to someone. And then they're like, what? Like, what is, guess that's what? <laughs> you know, it's so funny that you bring up the hierarchy of needs. What an interesting way to look at it. Cause like one of the things at the bottom is just survival. And like you said, our parents, they put food in our mouths and clothes on our backs and shelter over our heads. And it's like, that's such an important need when you're trying to just survive and you can meet the survival need. It's like, te quiero, como no te voy a querer, solo porque mm-hmm. no te he dicho, mira todo lo que tienes, estás right. viva. Like, it's so sí. funny. I never thought about it as the hierarchy of needs. And then it's our responsibility as we get older to kind of move up that pyramid. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I love my kids, but I got to do more than just provide for them mm-hmm. because we sort of evolved in that way. Like, no knock on my mom, but I want to tell my mm-hmm. kids all the time how much I love them too. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the shoes should demonstrate that or the house or whatever the, the survival things are. And it's weird because how is the kid supposed to interpret that? Right. So little, like, <laughs> yes. like, like, I don't know. You know? <laughs> I didn't yeah. know. I didn't know mom that because you were driving me to school. Yeah. Like, right. no, yeah. <laughs> that that is- connections. <laughs> yeah. No, it's yeah. so tricky yes. because like, I think we, having the fact that even though I wasn't, a, I didn't graduate as a psychology major, I still had all those classes that makes yeah. me like look within, right? So I'm like, yeah. I can fix myself. Yeah, right. We can't. No. Well, yeah, we can, but then we can't. <laughs> we have to put, you know, we still need to ask for help, which is also another Latina yes. thing that we need to yes, work on. Yes. But when yes. you brought this up, it's like, um, you know, the, we, the hierarchy needs the survival thing, but it's more of a, we don't address it. It's just, it just is. Things are just the way they are, right? I feel like um, even though there wasn't generational trauma that I can pinpoint specifically, but I see how I am with my children right now. And obviously I'm 
a stay-at-home mom right now and I'm growing our business with Level of Latina and I'm trying to do all these things, but it's really hard. There's this burnout. There's a sensation of like fudge. You know, I was trying to figure it out. I was having a conversation with Irene and Ceci where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to break down, guys. I don't know. I don't know if it's postpartum. I don't know if it's this. I've just experienced all this. And then I finally figured out. I'm like, no, I'm burnt the fuck out. Sorry, I dropped mm-hmm. the f bomb. I'm the one who crossed. No, the sorry, yeah. no, but, <laughs> sorry. But yeah, I am burnt out. And I'm like, how do you address that? I'm like, it just is. But I notice in certain things of what I'm doing, I'm providing for my children. And there's times where I'm like, no, Galilea will come up to me like, mommy, let's go play. Mm-hmm. Mija, ahorita no puedo. Estoy lavando los trastes. Mommy, let's go do this. Well, I'm gonna make food for us. Give me a moment. And Right now that you were saying that, I was like, I am repeating a lot of the things mm-hmm. that my mom maybe didn't vocalize to me, but she I, she would be like, oh, you would spend all day playing outside. I would watch you and you would do all this and you loved playing with dirt. And I'm like, oh my God, I am doing the same thing my mom did, but she had to do it obviously también, but I'm like, we need to change it. We need to find a way to to show our kids more than just that. And so awesome that you caught yourself, right? Because that's the other thing too. It's like, we're, you know, it, so there's this book that I love. It's called the, I don't know if you guys have read, it's called the biology of belief. And um, it, it, I was reading it when I was pregnant actually, because it talks about how the subconscious of a person starts developing, developing between the five months um, in the womb to basically like your first five years of life. So, and we function like 90% of how we function is off of our subconscious, which is wild, right? So oftentimes, like, you're like, oh, my God, I sound like just like my mom, or you're in an argument with your husband. And it's like, oh, shoot, like, I'm still I'm withholding food, like my mom withheld food from my dad. Like, you know, what I mean? ah. like, like, oh, my God, you know, like, I didn't oh like what happened, right? And and you swore, like, I'm not gonna be like my mom. I'm not gonna be like, and the older I get, it's like, oh my God, so you welcome. Ayúdenme, ayúdenme, right? But no, and, and so I think a part of it is awareness and part of it knowing that, like, um, you know, we are functioning off of our subconscious. So if we're not aware of it, then it's like, oh, okay, so so good for you, Vettel, for catching yourself, right? And then and giving yourself a, a crying a moment because so that's the other thing. We don't allow ourselves just to feel, you know, and if we feel like what what's the worst thing that could happen, you know? You cry it out. Okay. And then you put your chungle back on you. Let's see lavando los trastes. Oh I'm my God. so like beautiful. Like Vero, some advice that Vero gives is like just cry. And Ceci does that too. Vero yeah. and Ceci say like, just I'm cry, like just getting teary eyed, like just like <laughs> listening to um, everything that you're saying. Like I'm getting excited, and then I start like I don't know. I'm getting like teary eyed because I'm like, oh my God, like all these things that you have said so far, and this like I know we all have limited time, but I'm like, oh my God, there's so many things that I want to talk about and bring to the table, like you talking about your well first that we I just learned that you had a brother because I always thought you were the oldest I was I always like I always thought like oh my god Evelyn and I are so alike we're both for November babies we're although we're not the same sign but we're like we're so disciplined and I've always been so proud of her like mi amiga la psicóloga like I've always thought of you like that so I never thought you had a sibling first of all and then the fact that you're saying the fact that you're saying like that from a young age um you were thinking like well I want to explore this because how is it that we come from the same family, same upbringing, and yet we're so different? I think about that right now with my girls, like they're twins, they're in my womb at the same time, and they're so different. Like one, you know, is like um, very independent, the other one is dependent on her sister, and like 
I know Luis and I have tried so many things with her and like she still tr struggles with like transition. So it's like, anyway, so I was just thinking like when you said when you were pregnant and like the the, the personalities and, 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 and everything starts, um you know, developing in, in, in the womb. And I'm just like, did, did something like, you know, what happened during that time with one, no con la otra. So anyway, it's, it's very interesting. Um, and then, oh, and then also the fact that like as Latinos, we don't really like to ask for help or, um, you know, stress, um, a few years, maybe like 10 years ago, my dad kept on going to the doctor because se sentía mal and he had all these like enfermedades all of a sudden. And so my sister would take him to the ER. I think, yeah, I was in law school, but, um, she'd take him to the ER y llegaban y le decían, no, te, no tienes nada, no tienes nada. And then, so my sister would get, uh, frustrated and be like, como que no tienes nada? You were staying in la casa que te sentías super mal. And then later, it was it was anxiety and stress, and it, I feel like hearing you talk, it was just is just you know I look back and think about like my dad, like years of like working. Then he he gets into this accident that renders him disabled for life, so he's not able to provide. Like so, I feel mm -hmm. like when that happened ten years ago, everything kind of built and and lo sacó con ansiedad and stress and all that. So. And even to this day, like, it's really hard for him to kind of, like, express and, like, going, like, I tell him, I told him, papi, llora, it's okay, llora, suéltalo, pero no, like, just. And, and you know, for men, a good, a good point, because I was thinking that for men, it's so different. Like, I really do believe their brains are wired differently. And and not in a, like, I know, it's like, it, yeah, they, they just are. They just are, you know? and It's it, okay. <laughs> like, they just are. Like, I just gave up, right? Like, ni modo. And, and no, but but it's it's good to know. So they literally have to learn it. You know, so so you giving telling your dad that is basically like introducing something, right? And I think that's good because they their brains don't know it, and we have to introduce it. But although there are some men who are who are sensitive, I will say there are some men who are in tune to their emotions and yeah. they're 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 okay to speak it. And um, those are unicorns that I love because it's like, hey, I know they exist, but I, I do think some, especially like our dads, especially older generations, and so that's yeah. I, I want to say before Ceci keeps going, take all the time you need. Evelyn, I think she, you, where, where you got to be after this. Like, don't ask you. Ceci, you felt so inspired to ask questions. Go where you need to go. We have the expert here, Ceci. So go yeah. where you need to go. No, yeah. I mean, I, like I was saying, like, just listening to you, I was just like, yeah, oh, my God, see, like, things that come up. And um, and with with the girls, it's like, okay, que, que estamos haciendo diferente? Like, so what's helped for us, um, for, with, um, with the other one that's d does, doesn't do well with transition and she just like shuts down and like, she doesn't want to try new foods. Um, we, we've implemented, um, you know, going through their day to day, like, okay, today we're going to do, um, something new. Last week, we, we kind of forgot to mention that when we took them to the dentist, it, we had said like, we're going to go to the dentist and we forgot we forgot that they do x-rays and like the one that has, you know, problems with transition, she lost it. She was like, Oh my God. Yesterday they, they had their four year year old checkup and they were going to get shots. So we told them like, okay, va a pasar X, Y, and Z. Todo esto va a pasar. They're like, okay. And when it came down to the shots, um, my Paula, Paula who um, has a harder time transitioning, she was the first one to volunteer. She was like, okay, yo primero. 
con, la, con las vacunas. And I was like, oh, okay, like, you know, pat myself on the back, like it's working, like, you know, and it, but it's just, it, it's hard, so hard to, rem to remember because I get, I lose my patience really, really quickly. And like you were saying earlier, like, estoy haciendo lo mismo que mi mamá. Like, híjole, like, tengo que tener más paciencia because I, like, the nurture, a veces no me sale. I don't know why. And I think it's because my mom mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily like that, so no me sale. And Luis is más paciente con las niñas. Y yo, yo me, yo me impaciento muy fácilmente. And so I have to kind of remind myself, like, okay, let's go through this. This is what she needs. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been a challenge and it's, it's, it's like a, it's a, a learning process. I'm, I'm interested to hear, hear you, how it's been for you as mom. Totally what you're saying. I, I think you guys are doing a, a great job in, in that. I think transitions are hard for kids, but it's really, it's putting words. Like that's the thing you're putting words to experiences. And I think, for example, like that's what our, our parents probably didn't do to us. Like you just dealt with it, right? Like, okay, you're going to a new school or, okay, you only get one pair of shoes. You don't ask, like, you just kind of like yeah. do, you just do. And I, so I think um, really kids do need words to experiences. So that's what you're doing. And that mm -hmm. helps. And then the same thing with, with feelings, you know, you like, so I know I'm, I might be jumping, but um, like with my daughter, so she's a year, she's 17 months and she's already like, she can already label feelings and like her face, her faces. Like I'll tell her like, oh, estás enojada. And she'll like make her angry face or oh, ahorita tienes miedo. Or the other day she had a meltdown because I was on the phone with like, with um, my sister-in-law, she called me and she, I, I think I didn't realize that the car ride from my parents to our house was important to her because that's when we listen to music, right? Um. So she called me and so it was like a different I don't know if it was just because it was different or it meant something to her um and she was crying 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 and that means I see like I was like like it's okay it's okay trying to like ignore her and then I got off the phone and I was like and then she's like mama mama con tia Kika and and she actually is very verbal which is thank god but she and I'm like see yes mama estaba con tia Kika Y Jimena está triste. And then she's like, Jimena triste, Jimena triste. Oh and my God. I have it recorded because, it, oh God, it like, it really like touched my soul, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Es was she able to know. express the music was what was missing? Like, how did you make the connection? Like, no. I'm on the phone. Yeah, because she's trying oh. to charades with this, like, let me tell you why you pissed me off, mom, or whatever. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> why you made right. me sad? Why you made me sad? Well, then it hit me because then, um, so, okay, of course, like kids like ruminate, right? So then dad comes home and then I was like, oh, Jimena estaba triste, dile papá. And then, and then he, he chimes in, right? He's like, oh, mamá no te estaba poniendo atención. And then, and then, and then she was like, see, sí. and I was like, oh, holy cow, like you're a year old little person. That's amazing. Oh, That's amazing. But, but stuff like that, you know, where like, like that takes so much time and patience. And I got to be like on mom's Zen mode to be able to like be in tune with her. And, you know, and sometimes my brain is too fast. You know, I don't know how to slow down. And I have to like, you know, just realize that like that drive home is important. That's I, that's really interesting and like fascinating to think um i do have questions i know like i, I went off off uh, no do that just i think it's beautiful i think it's beautiful you yeah, have no, your friend I, here who, who yeah knows, exactly who tell us what to do exactly <laughs> we have our friend here and you know and what better way that to like share her knowledge with our audience so i'm loving that let's see Mm. I mean, we're like, maybe this is stuff that leads to addiction in our kids, right? So exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you see what it, it does kind of seg 
segue to to the next mm-hmm. topic, which was like I know that in the last five years you 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 specialized mm-hmm. in addiction disorders. So, um, yeah, that, I guess that's the question. Like, what made you focus on in that particular area? So yeah, uh, great like connections, Vettel too and and Ceci, because I never thought I was going to work with addictions. Actually, I thought I'm going to work with children and family. Like that's what I meant to be. That's what I want to do, right? Because I'm trying to figure out like why the hell my brother and I are so different. So um, I get into family work. I was in a non- I did nonprofit work for about seven years, and unfortunately, I got burnt out because um, probably poor poor therapist care, poor self care, a lot of a lot of not good. And and I was young. I was you know, I wanted to save the world and, you know, and, and so I just burned myself out and eventually I, I took a break from therapy. I did community outreach for about two years. Then I did private insurance for a year and, and I hated it. So then, um, I got into Kaiser as a per diem. So, um, I actually used to work for the healthy living program, which is like, if you have diabetes or you, it's like their medical weight loss program. So, and then I met someone and she was like, Hey, you know, do you want to be, do you want to work full time? And I said, yes. Do you want to work with addiction? I said, no. (laughs) No, thanks. (laughs) No, gracias. No, No, gracias. And then really it was no, because I didn't know, right? Like, yeah. like I didn't know and it sounded scary. And mm-hmm. you know. she's like, I've been taught to say no to drugs. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No is a complete sentence. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so it was a no. And then, and, but then eventually I asked her more and she was older. She was like 77 retired and she was doing per diem work there. And so then she kind of like just, was like coaching me through it. And I said, okay, let me just try it. And honestly, like it's been the best, best, best decision of my life without even knowing. I, I, I really, once I was there, it was like, oh, wow, there's my mom. And oh, wow, there's this and there's that. And there's just so many connections. And obviously working with kids, I saw a lot of trauma, a lot of things that happened. And yes, you're right, Vero, like it's crazy to see the connection. So I basically thought, oh my God, I'm working with the adult versions of the kids that I used to work mm. with you know, or or the people that didn't get the help. Like this is what ends up, this is yeah. a possibility. And so that's how I ended up, ended up there. And so now um, probably like five and a half years in, I'm, I'm not bored. I love it. I am still learning. And um, it's just, it's just a, a different, um, a different ball game, you know? Ya, yeah. no, me imagino, me imagino. Es como dice mm, este, la mamá de Irene, uno pone y do, Dios dispone. Yes. Yeah. Qué bueno que te enfocaste en eso y en that you're loving it. Like, uno nunca sabe. Sometimes you're, we're scared to, like, try new things because we're so used to one thing and that's what we know. But stepping outside your own bubble, sometimes it's like you're going to, you don't know if you're going to love it. So touching on, on, you know, addiction disorders, can you provide us maybe some guidance on how we can identify if we, if we think we're having an issue or if we think we're having a problem with something in particular? Yeah. So a few ways that I like to break it down because it's, it's such a, a complex thing. I, I So we treat it like it's a medical model. So it's more like a... Um, like a progressive disease. So imagine like diabetes, right? You know, you first go to the doctor, the doctor says, Hey, you know, your, your sugar is kind of high, you know, maybe you should watch your diet. And then what happens? People typically don't do that. And so they continue to, you know, eat their tortillas and, you know, cause I know that diabetes runs in my family. So, um, and then eventually it's like, Oh, I think you need insulin or, you know, so it kind of progressively slowly gets worse. So same thing with addiction. Um, it's, um, 
you know, it typically starts out as experimental and then it's social. And then all of a sudden, se te están pasando las copas, or um, all of a sudden you're thinking about it too much, or, um, and it, it's, it becomes an, a, a, an obsessive thing where you just really, really think about it all the time. And it could be, um, so addiction disorders is a big umbrella you know, and, and it's, and it's a spectrum of disorders, right? So we have the mild, the severe, we have the binge eating, the binge, the binge, the binge drinkers or the weekend vendor people. So it's not, when you think of addiction, it's not just the people on the streets, right? Usually like that's what kind of you, 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 you think of. And so um, there's actually a lot of functional, functional addicts out there or, and, and, and the word addict is just, um, just a phrase, but really, you know, there is criteria to have that diagnosis, but it's a whole spectrum. So um, ways to know that if it's, if it's becoming an issue, it's kind of like, you know, do you notice your tolerance increase? Do you, you know, are you blacking out more? Um, And by blackouts, it's like there, there is, there is, and I, I, I have experienced blackouts actually when I was in Santa Barbara. So I do know what a blackout is. And that's usually when, you know, you're guilty. Yeah. <laughs> guilty and guilt free, Vettel. Guilty and guilt free. Yeah. Oh, girl, yes. yes, of course. Of course. No regrets. Yes. <laughs> so, but if it, you know, it, it's like when those start happening more, you know, and more and more and more, and then it's like, okay, um, you kind of start shifting your priorities. The, the, the reason why it's a progressive disease is because it, it really changes the way we think. So it rewires. Um, the best way I could put it is, so a non-addict usually thinks, okay, me voy a, I need to go to sleep on Sunday because I got to go to work on Monday. And so then, you know, it kind of has that like responsibility kind of long-term thinking, right? Oh, I need to save my money because then I, you know, I'm going to save for something. So over time, all those things start changing. People start thinking like, oh, you know, uh, tengo la cruda. Well, let me keep it going. And then, oh, I got to call out work the next day because I can't go to work or, you know, so it just kind of like slowly starts taking over your life. So if you feel like, or you, you find yourself doing it more often than not, and also not being able to stop, that's another, another, um, a lot of people are more like closet drinkers, right? So let's say after a party, they continue to drink or before the party, they kind of do the pre-drinking. And so, and, and none of these things, I really want to clarify, like there's nothing. So with addiction, a lot of people think that they're like bad people or because I have an addiction, I'm bad. And I don't think so. I think it's just another, like, it's like diabetes. If you have diabetes, you're not going to think you're a bad person, right? If you have cancer, you're not a bad person. It's just, there's a lot of moral behaviors that are that are done when you're under the influence. And I think that's why people attribute it to like, you're a bad person. So that's a big distinction I want to make because there's where a lot of the guilt comes from, or a lot of like negative feelings come from, which, you know, it, it, it really sucks because then it keeps people going in the same cycle because you feel bad. People think you're bad. Then you keep drinking because people think you're bad anyway. So might as well like self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. It sounds like a shame cycle, right? Like you're always imagine how hard that's got to be. And then I was, I would think you would drink to forget that you feel shame. Yes, yes, I'm gonna yeah. get a little buzz. I'm gonna get a little buzz. Yeah. And, and then, cause that's what they say kind of about drug addicts. They never want to come off the high because it's like, then you got to deal with this. Probably you dealt with the therapy or as a kid or yes. how your parents did it wrong or whatever. Like even just hearing you talk about it, it makes me anxious. Like I feel so bad, like the, to be stuck yes. in the shame. And, and, and people think because you're, you did that, they, they think they're a bad person you know what I mean so it's and that's a big difference between like I feel bad for what I did versus I am a bad person and that's when like you have to 
really separate the two. I think that's such a great practice with kids. My son tells me that all the time. Why do you always say it's not who we are, that we're great kids? Oh, mm-hmm. it, it's what we do or we decided to do. Like I try to, and I, I'm just like my mom. Like I want to guilt trip them and just say that they, you're bad kids without being mm-hmm. bad kids. Mm-hmm. But I'm always trying to train my brain to be like, it's choosing not to listen. Like I might choose not to listen. You could choose not to listen, right? Like you're not a bad person because you're a bad listener. You're all great people. But we mm-hmm. choose to like, my daughter has a habit of asking a question and then she looks away and she asks the question again and then she looks away and then she, I'm like Mija I've answered this question twice you're gonna make me answer it a third time that's frustrating me you're choosing not to listen it doesn't mean she's a bad listener right right she's not right. a bad person don't feel shame you're not bad you're, it's like a little habit I I go do that with my cell phone mommy's on her cell phone I always tell my daughter to say mom are you listening que me pregunte. Mm-hmm. I might not be like you know what yeah let me listen I have yeah. trained my kids to be like mom can you listen right now yeah okay I'm choosing to listen nobody's bad nobody's bad but when I grew up it was like portate bien that's bad you See? know like ascaso. you know we're just like this thing ingrained in us but it's you're not bad people you make choices yeah. And see, and the thing too with addiction, so there's, that's the biggest, like, uh, biggest, like, question, kind of like the nature versus nurture is, is addiction a choice or is it a disease? So that's one of the biggest, like, biggest, biggest question mark. The thing about it, it starts out as a choice and eventually it doesn't become a choice and people lose that ability to choose. So that's, that's the crazy part. I imagine, I mean, especially this past year with the pandemic, you know, because we got so used to like, oh, we're, you know, we're drinking, it's pandemic, we're all like in closed doors, basically, and not going out. So I can just imagine maybe like the addictions went up and skyrocketed because of the pandemic. As you were talking and like to, you know, try to, I was kind of self-analyzing myself. I was like, I don't have, I'm like, no, I don't have a problem. I've had situations where se me ha pasado... Uh, me pasado de copas y I hate la cruda al día siguiente, but I was like, no, because I, you know, no tomo a diario and it's just poquito, but it's like, you know, nadie, nadie quiere, no one wants to feel that cruda. And if it's like, if they're doing it every day and I can see like, okay, let me, let me continue drinking para no sentir eso que se siente horrible la cruda. And, and that's what keeps people going. So then eventually you end up having like, um, withdrawal symptoms every day mm-hmm. so people will like yeah. have a shot in the morning to keep it going or pop yeah. a pill before they can keep it going so then it just kind of becomes like uh the dependence that's where the chemical yeah. dependence kicks in and then they don't they just kind of keep going so back to the shame thing you know imagine um finally reaching a point of like oh god i got i guess i gotta get help right like uh, this isn't working and so people usually come in feeling like the bottom of the barrel. Um, and the crazy thing is, and this is what I always tell people is that people get better. And that's really, really freaking amazing. Like, I think it's, it's, you know, I definitely would not be fulfilled if I don't know, I actually, I don't know. I used to think that, you know, success meant that people could stay clean, but really, it was more you know, are they getting better as people mm-hmm. are, you know, are they learning? And and so it, it's really fulfilling because people do get better and their lives change, like crazy change, like, like mm-hmm. turn around completely. So, so it's, it's really, it's a really neat, I think for me, it's a very like honorable place to be able to see that, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I remind people be like, Hey, you remember when you first started, you look like shit. Like now, yeah. like, look at you now. Yeah. And I do say that because <laughs> now, now you look like shit with lipstick on. It's like progress. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Not you. Le quedo el saco, a ver. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, por eso, lipstick first. Lipstick first. No, qué bueno. Que me imagino que se, te has de sentir like super bien. And like, like you said, fulfilling when you start seeing those changes of people getting better. And, and speaking of getting better, anything you can share with us on how to deal with problems related to these um, substance use and abuse? So, so yeah, so a few things that I was thinking is definitely you need community, like you need community, you need someone like, um, you need a place to to talk whether and I don't care what it is, I just, you know, get a community, whether it's one friend that you can just say like, hey, I'm really struggling with this, because sometimes there's a lot right back to the shame, like they're embarrassed to like, to, or, you know, or log on to AA, because right now, because of COVID, there's, you can log on to AA and on a Zoom, and you don't even have to, like, show yourself, you can just hear the stories, podcasts, um, TED Talks, just anything that gets you out of your mind, because when, sometimes when you're, it's so, when you have the, like, I guess I'll, I'll add the addict personality. So there is such a thing where you have an addictive personality. So it doesn't matter if it's a chemical, it could be anything, right? It could be shopping. Like I might have. <laughs> no, no way. No way. I think no. food, food, think guilty, guilty, go free. Food. I love food. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so just like, you know, when you have a community, it, it really, it really helps, you know, and whether, I, like I said, even like I know in Christian churches, they have celebrate recovery, which I totally love. I've seen some really great work on people that do that. Um, and, and what I like about celebrate recovery is that it's not just for um, addictions. It could be for any, any kind of trauma, any kind of thing. So um, I, I really like just that fellowship, just, just coming together. Um, it makes a big, big difference. Thanks for sharing those. I know people might be listening thinking like, where do I start? Like, or I feel like I'm having a problem. Like how sh who should I reach out to? And like, aquí lo escucharon de Evelyn. Um, también later we're going to share um, how to get a con in contact with Evelyn. Um, if you feel like you want to learn more or just for yourself, you know, think things that um, are good to, to learn. Um, so I know one of the things also that you mentioned, and I'm not familiar with this, so I'm excited to hear more about it is our EMDR techniques. Mm -hmm. What are those? Okay. So this is like the coolest thing ever. Um, <laughs> I get super excited because it's like nerd. Yes, I know. It's like jazz me it. up, jazz me up as a therapist. But it's basically a way to help people heal their experiences from the past. So really, okay, it's eye movement reprocessing, reprocessing and desensitization. EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So the eye movement, so it's commonly known as like tapping or um, any any um, like bilateral stimulation. So basically you're you're moving both sides of, a, of your of your brain. You're so remember how I said like we function off of our subconscious, right? And our subconscious is built off of the memories that we have. So um, it is for trauma. It was created for trauma and trauma can be defined as like big trauma. So for example, like you go to war or you have a big car accident, but then there's also like little trauma. So little traumas could be just, you know, growing up in a dysfunctional family growing up, you know, um, so it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, um, you have to, had to go to war to 
have trauma, right? And um, not everybody that goes to war also develops PTSD, which is also very interesting. Um, so what we found or what is found is that people who have little traumas um, and then go to war, they develop PTSD. So if you kind of have a history of little traumas and it, then like something big happens, then you're more likely to develop mm. the PTSD traits. Um, and then there's also like a window of like time that the brain has to heal before it kind of, I guess you could say, goes into like full trauma mode. So it, there's like acute where it's like more like, let's say you have an accident. It doesn't necessarily mean like it's gonna like, like um, cement in your brain as like a trauma trauma. So what ends up happening is that you're, when we have experiences, our, our body registers it as it remembers. So there's actually a book, it's called Your Body Remembers. And, um, and, the thing about it is that we continue to relive it. So if we have trauma and we don't have it, we haven't healed it properly. Um, we will, our bodies will react as if it's like when it's triggered, it'll react like that, that point in time in our lives. So it's really interesting. Like, so for example, like if you get really anxious and all of a sudden, like you're like sweating or you're stuttering, it could actually be like, it could go, it could go back in time, you know? So, um, with the bilateral stimulation, we're basically rebooting your hard drive to heal it, to reheal it so that it gets healed in a proper way so that it doesn't affect you in the same way anymore. Now to be a, to be an EMDR therapist, you, like I've had to be a client for EMDR. So I've had EMDR done on myself now for, I want to say like five years. And it's really cool because it's, it's very intense, but it's very short term. And then you, it's target oriented. So you have a target, you work on it, and then hopefully you move on and you feel good. And then eventually like you'll probably get re-triggered and then you just need some, 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 just cause that's how life is. Right. Um, and um, some people will say, well, I don't remember like my childhood. Like I don't remember like after like nine years old and that's okay. So you just basically go back to a place where you do remember. And then, and then we work from there. The interesting part of, of memories is that, um, memories are like neighbors. So ima imagine like a neighborhood and like all of a sudden we start opening up, like, you know, we go to one door and it's like, Hey, knock, knock. And then all of a sudden they start like talking to each other. So then your memories like start developing more. And, um, and it could be the, the cool thing about EMDR. It could be to heal things from your past. It could be to work on things in the present and it could be to help you with things in the future. So it's also known for like, um, for like phobias or for like, let's say, you know, speech presentations, um, you want to get better at that. So it could, it could help in that area too. So it's not just for like heavy duty stuff. Um, but if we are talking about um, like heavy duty stuff, it's more like, let's say someone was raped, right? And, and that's, that's a really heavy thing. It, you know, we, we can't change the fact that that happened, but we want that person to maybe um, change the associations of why that happened. So because that happened and I survived, I'm a survivor, I'm strong. I can, you know, I can still trust people. I can still live a, like a healthy life. So sometimes when people experience like really bad things, um, you know, you you can, it can affect you in a lot of ways, you know, like, you know, you, you stop trusting people, you stop associating people, you are isolated. And it's really because you're probably fearful of getting hurt. So we kind of can go really deep in that and just, um, and, you know, I, I'm giving a very like light uh, overview of it. It's a very, it's like, I can talk about this for yeah. 
time. Um, and we can listen. We can listen. Aquí estamos bien. You're like breaking the screen down. Like we can get closer and closer. Yes. I know you have to do it broadly because it's just yes, one podcast, yes, but yes. there's so much depth to everything that you're saying. Like even you just saying it's because they're hurt. It's like, oh, yeah. like you just can feel it. Like keep yeah. going, keep going, keep breathing. No, I know. I, I even just like listening to you, it's just like bringing up things. And I'm just thinking like, wow, we can like talk for hours about this. And maybe we can have like other, other um, episodes, like, narrowed down to something in particular like you know particular traumas particular things and um i mean i would love that I, something that came up and we can obviously discuss later but something that came up is a, a dream that i used to have over and over and over and i, I don't know at what point it, it stopped but the dream was um that i had somehow skipped a class in 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 college or in high school or in law school like some you know one of those um academic settings that I had skipped it and it was necessary and someone's along the uh, someone found out and that they sent me back to start all everything since like high school and I would always have that dream like so it was like it's I don't know it's it's interesting and I don't know when it stopped at some point it stopped so I don't know if it was like when I was already kind of coming into my profession that I was like you know, um, dream that and maybe like, I don't know, first generation guilt that I was having that dream. And then once when I felt like more at ease in my profession, then stop. I don't know if that mm -hmm. that's what it is. But I can't tell you like, oh, this is when it stopped. And, and you know, the cool thing, Ceci, is that the brain does naturally have like the brain is so smart and knows how to heal itself. So it, it, we all have that. So we all have that like in us just for some people. It's like, I don't want to say it's broken, but it, it just certain memories or experiences are not healed. So when they're not healed, that's when they kind of continue to come up. So, I mean, and, and, and that's a, the other cool part too, is that if you might not know where this dream is coming from, but I mean, it sounds like to me, like just anxiety or just kind of fear, like a lot of fear and anxiety and it's coming up. Right. Like it's, it's, my husband has that yeah. dream all the time. And we always read about it. How he's like, he'll wake up and be like, I had that damn dream again, that mm -hmm. dream where I'm, I can't find my class and I'm panicking or I start a test and I didn't even study for it. I have it all the yeah. time. He literally had it the other day. And then we're always like, it's the same old dream. Whenever he changes anything in his business, whenever anything slightly shifts, it's his own business. It's that not enoughness. I'm not ready dream that always happens in his dream and because he's always like i'm self-assured i got this but like you're not ready you're not capable you haven't done it he's had it for years and he would never go back to college i think because of that damn dream i tell him all the time like you'd be great in an advanced career he's like i'll never go back to school he's like twitching his shit like, like, <laughs> I, I have a similar a, thing like yeah, hard college was hard for him yeah, yeah. he was really I smart but he partied too much took him seven years yeah it's all good <laughs> yeah that happens i have a dream like that too and it goes back to my zero period class when I was in high school with my my teacher Miss Johnston, my music teacher, and she was just one of the most like rigid, very disciplinosa as a maestra, and like that's where I learned to play music, learn to read music, learn to like do all this stuff. And she was just she's like my nightmare. And there's times where I did it to myself. Um, she was the one who gave me the most demerits. You know, she was like the one that would try to correct my behavior. She was like, "You're great, but you do shit on your own to." Fuck it up for yourself. Like I got to, it got to the point where, you know, 
I went to private school. They worked on demerits. So any little thing, they would take a point off. You start off with 100 points in the year. I had issues with it every year because I was like, I'm my own person. You can go ahead. Give me give me a demerit for my short skirt. Oh, you want to give me a demerit for not have, you know, not wearing the penny loafers? Go for it. I don't care. I like my joy. And I remember one year I ran for vice president of our class. Okay. I got it. Two days later, they're like, no, you have too many demerits. You can't be the vice president. Oh, no. And I was just like, what? And that's when I was like, why am I still doing this to myself? Right. And it's, I, but it's this teacher, this teacher was constantly like, Vero, why? And she would always, she loved her piano cover. And it was this really heavy, beautiful, thick, like leather and suede piano cover. And I was the, the vice, the president of our class, right? For a court, for a group, for a music group. And for some reason, un día me agarró por ponerle mi nombre, Vero, with a little, my little signature happy face, which was a, a happy face with the tongue sticking out and the little, like doing that. And I rolled it so small. She found it. She found it. And she was like, what blatant disrespect. And she gave me five demerits. And she's like, you know that you're going to have to pay for that to come off of my cover. But I have these dreams of like constantly like I'm still I'm I was in I was in college. I was already after, you know, already a professional, a constant running to her class. I mm. see myself and I'm running, running to her class because if I don't make it in time, I'm not gonna pass and the rest of my life is not gonna happen. Can it's I, so crazy? Can I ask Veto when that happened? What was like the what message did she give you? Like what did you like what did little Vettel take from that? Well, she embarrassed me. She embarrassed me in our class. Like, oh, really? Wow. You think you think you can do this because you have been you've been granted this power to be here, to be able to take role, to make sure everyone's here. You're the leader of this class, and you chose to do this. And she embarrassed me. She's like, what, what, in front of our class? And you know, it was kind of like a, don't, don't do this, or you're you're gonna get the wanna, you know, they're gonna. They're going to shame you. They're going to they're going to embarrass you. No matter how good you are, you're going to get embarrassed. Mm -hmm. So something's going to something's, something's going to happen. happen. Yeah. So I always it's always like this running, this running to avoid that embarrassment, to avoid being, you know, public display of of being a rebel, you know, like things like that. That's, that it really that's so crazy because like you you remember it so detailed and that's why I was at like so to me it's like when we remember things so detailed like the there the message that was sent to you got like it's it got embedded there somewhere ingrained you know? uh-huh ingrained yeah you're making okay. me think of every memory that I've I'm like remembered. right now I'm like thinking about it I'm sweating like I'm sweating wow, like, wow. and it, I'm sure like that's how your body even felt like in that moment and I'm thinking like pobrecita like you know, like, ¿qué, qué pensaba esta maestra? you know, like, just, and that's the power of like, where it's power of like, situations, right? Like, we don't even realize like, how, oh, Vero, you're gonna make me cry. Like, just like, that sucks, you know? <laughs> cry, cry, cry. No, this is, I think you can just tell que estamos con una amiga, because we're yeah. like, just talking forever. And we want to like, give our whole selves to this conversation in the same theme with Vero. Like, my mom has a dynamic with me. Like, there's nobody that can make me feel more like little Irene. So it's beautiful how you mm -hmm. said, like, little Vettel, how did that make you feel? I have to catch myself all the time with my mom, remind myself I'm not a little kid anymore. This can't get to me. 
she means well. She doesn't mean negatively. She's like, you know, you know what I mean? She always treats me like her little baby. I have a memory of her telling somebody that I don't wash dishes. This was like, I don't know, like four or five years ago. And I thought it was so funny. I think I told the girls this on another podcast where I was like, maybe as a 14 and 15 year old, I don't like washing dishes, but we'd be buried in dishes. Like I have a family of three kids. I've been married for this long. Like my mom has a memory of me just not doing chores. So she thinks of me as like at home, I must not do chores. Isn't that funny? Ev? And so that would get to me. That would get to me. my mom's little comments would get to me. And at some point I just realized like, I'm not a little kid either. I can't be offended. I would hurt. I would feel in that moment again, mm-hmm. but we mm-hmm. didn't have the, we don't have the words. You're telling us all those things were normal. I was probably triggered that she would judge me for not doing the dishes as a kid mm-hmm. and that she's mm-hmm. judging me now for not doing the dishes. You don't even know me, lady. And I love my mom. <laughs> like, I love my mom. But I will think like, Esta señora no me conoce. you know, it's just like the things that come back from our childhood, from embarrassment, mm-hmm. from shame, from the little girl. You said little Vero. And, and then Vero, it brings her to tears. It's like we're carrying these moments of like, don't know what we don't know. And you're helping us process right now. So it's so critically important. And thank you for letting us drag on with you. I love it. Like this is, I mean, this is awesome. And I mean, I love you girls too. So I mean, to me, it's like whatever I have, like, I don't even know. It's just more of an understanding. Like, you know, we're all people and we all have that like, that side that has been hurt, you know, and just to kind of honor that side and just to provide that space, like that's, that's healing. And so like, Beto, you probably didn't even realize I was going to come out, right? Like, like, (laughs) I'm serious. No. And and the thing is like, Evelyn, you've always, we would go for runs and like, Evelyn was always like my very, um, my friend and my therapist, right? Like, (laughs) I'm like, she's giving me this free advice, but you know, it's the friendship, you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm like, Oh my God, Evelyn, we'll be running. And I'm like, well, we'll be telling her stuff. And she'll look at me like, you're right. What was I thinking? You know, like you start just. <laughs> so in this, like, I know that, that obviously in, in, in providing that space, that community, you are, you're able to open up and share these things. And you're like, oh, I never thought, saw it that way. So for years, Evelyn was like my running therapist partner <laughs> and then my friend to go to, you know, on these things. But it's just like realizations as you start just mm-hmm. looking back and and Irene that hit too where you're like my mom they they think of me this way and and it's all this stuff we like we process we have there's so much stuff for us to constantly just have to like go through that Rolodex and it's like ah let's take this out because it's something affect that it's something affect that and how do I see it in a different way but that's the the, the tough part yeah you um, don't realize you're programmed when you're a little kid yeah right? like, and emotion. she said earlier like if you don't process it your body will remember it your memories yes. will remember it and you're and then that's the most important thing in the tip of the day is like, we shouldn't be figuring this out by accident or not figuring it out at all. Like it is the modern ages and it is okay to go to therapy. I need to talk and to cry and to be vulnerable. And especially us as Latinas that are first generation, often that is our audience, like your parents may be judging that. Uh, I know for a fact, like my mom does not care for therapy, but as the years have gone on, she's recognized that it's a helpful thing. And she labeled it maybe 10 years as tu no estás loca, maybe, or 20 years ago. And then slowly her approach has softened, right? Or addiction. Like I have Mm. a brother who is lost, gone, lost, completely gone to his addiction. And alcoholism took his whole life. And my mom can sweetly say, like, he can still do no wrong in my eyes. Mm -hmm. He can still do no wrong in my eyes. And and I love Mm -hmm. my brother to death. And we have not been able to help him for many years because we almost had to detach from that brother and be there for his family, but maybe not necessarily for him. But the point is that 10, 20 years ago, she was even blind to the addiction, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know what we don't know. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it's so good to just know 
a little bit more and to ask for help. So the tip is stop holding it against your parents Mm -hmm. and start with yourself. Find that therapy, find that help. Not everybody is so lucky that they can run with Evelyn, you know, and get their free therapy. But if you have a private practice in mind, maybe I'm gonna sneak that question in there. Like, have you ever thought about doing this just for you? And I mean, you have knowledge across all scopes, kids, adults, addiction, would you be doing that? It's so crazy. It's so crazy how life and synchronicity works, right? Because um, so I've been wanting to do a private practice. um, And, and, in particular, I love women. Like I, I feel like um, I love working with women and all ages of women. And I just found myself like in whenever I have a session with a female, whether whether she's in her early twenties or she's like retiring, like I just I feel like I want to spend time with them. And it's it, it, so I am like okay, I, I think women is going to be like my population of of choice. So um, actually, we just I just started one like started like the little corporation I'm so I'm in the process of it I do have um the name so there there is a very like skeleton website going on but um but it's going to be called um or it is called um honor honor all women counseling so um it is it is it's going to be for you know and and obviously all women of walks of life like um transgender i mean you name it like it's 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 an open space um especially even becoming a mom like i mean there's so many things that like oh gosh like it was like stripped all vulnerability from me (laughs) any guard i ever had up it was like whack it was in a way so, um, so yeah, so I do have, um, contact info, um, for, for, for you girls on that, but yeah, so it's, it's, it'll be honor all women counseling. And, um, so I'm thinking, you know, on the weekend I have, um, we have, I talked to my husband and we're like kind of tag teaming on it. He's, he's helping me with like the business aspect of it just because, you know, yes. love it because you got an MBA and you're like, put it to you, scout. Love all of it. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. So she can help you in all walks of life. She's got the addiction and use and abuse of drugs. There's that angle, the ability to help women and the connection to women and just so being so forthcoming with that and also kids Mm -hmm. and transitioning and having kids and parenting. I mean, you can kind of do it all. So she said the weekend, but eventually it'll take over and it'll be her whole everything all day, every day, probably because she's so good and puts this to ease for people who are looking for resources right now. Like people are jazzed and they're like, I love this idea. I'm going to go to your website, but also like I have this insurance or maybe there's a program in my local community. Like what Mm -hmm. can people do for resources right now? Because they're feeling what we're feeling like. Yeah, there's a lot to process. Therapy's okay. So for sure. So I work for Kaiser. So if you have Kaiser, just contact the mental health department um, or behavioral health department. Um, If you have an addiction, there is an addiction medicine department. So there is um, an actual department for that. So you can get, you can have counseling, you can have group therapy, you can have that we have access to doctors, psychiatrists, and obviously with addiction, you know, um, for example, just major disclaimer for alcohol, I never recommend anyone stopping cold turkey, never, never, never do that super dangerous. Um, So obviously, if you need help with that, we can do it in a like, you know, supervised medical way so that, you know, it's, it's done safely. So definitely, if you do have an issue with, you know, because addiction can get very complex when it comes to actual chemicals and getting it out of your body. So definitely, we have that. Um, For I think, Medi-Cal, I think there is, I can, I'll I'll share websites, I'll share some information on, on, 
because it's its own um, entity. But then also just AA online, Celebrate Recovery online. There's also for some for people who are agnostic or are not like spiritual, there's um, it's called Smart Recovery, S-M-A-R-T. So it's more of a cognitive behavioral approach to recovery. And I'm trying to think. Um, I think that's probably in a nutshell and you can just literally google like aa online right now so because of covid it's super accessible you can log on pretty much anytime now i know a lot of people are like oh i, I want to go like some places in person so i know in redondo beach there's a beach meeting i want to see every sunday like at 10 a.m um and people just meet at the beach and i think you just have to wear a mask and you're you're all good that is awesome and i'm sure there's probably outdoor spaces in other communities too mm-hmm. like she said google is your friend if you think of other resources when we put this on instagram we'll share some of those links and resources too so there's still time to add that but there's help there's help if you're willing to face it or ask for it you know there's going to be another hand to meet you on the other side and i love that you also have recommended faith-based support groups i mean for some folks that's really important and i think it also helps with alleviating all that shame and guilt that can sometimes be attached to faith-based upbringing so we have touched only slightly so i want to give us an opportunity to honor that again but you became a mom recently and beautiful baby girl can't express her feelings we caught that story earlier but what else has changed in your life i mean you're a hustling and bustling therapists and suddenly you took on motherhood. Tell us about it. Yeah. You know, earlier when you were talking about your mom and your brother, like I think working, like when I became a mom, like the level of feelings and compassion, like, oh my God, like grew like, like so much, like I can't even like describe it. Like, you know, now when I have a session with a mom who's like concerned about their their son or daughter, you know, no matter how old my patients are, you know, their kids are like, I just imagine they see them like, like how I see my baby, you know what I mean? And it's just like, so I really understand that love and how like people don't want to give up. And, and before, you know, it's, I think, I probably would have been a lot quicker to be, I don't know, probably to detach or, or help them just, I was more like seca or I'm, I'm not sure what it is, but I, I just It's feel the whole like, idea of like tough love. You're yes, all about it, yes, right? And then I you have know, a kid and yes. you're like, there's no such thing. Love <laughs> is love. Tough love yes. is hard. You understand motherhood differently when it's your baby. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that, like, I remember, you know, coming back from maternity leave in my office and I was just like, Oh my God. Like there's this thing called, it's called, um, countertransference in therapy. So basically it's when a therapist has feelings when you're having a session, which is human, right? It's gonna, it's gonna happen. It's very normal. And basically you get trained on how to utilize it as a tool. But one of the things, so that's, that's another thing I love about being a therapist that I do think, um, it's, it's a very, like real, you know what I mean? Like I have feelings just as you have feelings and it's very organic and whatever happens in the session happens in the session. And and so one of the things that surprised me were my own feelings and my own feelings just were very like, like exponentially huger. And I was like, oh, holy shoot. Like that's a whole lot of feelings now that I, that I didn't even know I had. And so, um, so definitely as a mom, that happened in, 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 in my career, but it's been the best thing, the most tiring thing. We get it. 
It's uh, like yep, a blur yep. and a blur on top of a blur, especially those early years when they're becoming vocal. I guess it gets easier, right? Like it's very tiring when they're not vocal. And it's like, I don't know what it means when you throw your spaghetti that way. I kind of only nailed it when you throw it this yeah. way. I know what that means. <laughs> like, <he's> like, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us. And I love that you have just made us so open to feelings today. And there's clearly so much that you've learned and, and grown into as a professional. But our favorite question to ask all of our guests as we wind down is, you know, what would you tell your 25-year-old self when you put yourself back in that place and where you were and where you were headed and with all the time in between? What is the biggest advice you'd give that person? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, like, you know, not putting, don't put pressure on myself. Like, it's okay. Life will work out. Um, Enjoy it. You know, this is probably, like, the skinniest and youngest and hottest you'll be. So <laughs> enjoy it. Um, and you know, wear and, the thong bikini. Wear the yes, thong bikini. Yes, wear, yes, wear the two piece. You know, and um, like I said, my sister's ten years younger than I am, right? So, so I, I, I would always tell her, like, no, you rock it. You know, pontelo. I don't care. Like, just rock it. Vete. You know, go and enjoy it. Just, just because you know, life just happen so quickly and you don't even realize it. So I, I would just say, enjoy, enjoy life. You will figure it out. And you know, you're doing a good job. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. You're going to give yourself a lot of porras at that point and tell yourself to go for it, which is really, really cool. Mm. We really appreciate you being here. This is the, probably the longest we've gone with a guest because we want to go even longer. So we're trying to keep it together. We are super, super grateful. We're super grateful for your expertise, but also your friendship and for how you make us feel comfortable to open up. I know that listeners will want to find you. So you've mentioned your website, but how else can they find you? Get some follow up. So um, my web or my email that I'm going off right now, it's um, Evelyn at honorallwomencounseling.com. And Evelyn is with the I, um, because my mom spelled it like a Mexican. So it's Evelyn. So (laughs) E-V-E-L-I-N at honorallwomencounseling.com. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So please look her up. Clearly, she knows what she's talking about. If you have other questions you want to direct our way, you always know how to find us. Email us. Our email is admin at leveluplatina.com. Find us on Instagram. Like I said, we're going to dump a bunch of resources on the post that will promote this episode on Instagram and Facebook. It's at leveluplatina. You can always Google us on Twitter as well. And there's still time to join the guilt-free squad. So there's lots of information in our Instagram. There's lots of information at leveluplatina.com. If you need help, if you need help, and today's the day you decide to reach out for that help, please do it. And if you need one of us to do it with you, we'll make ourselves available because sometimes it's a tough call to ask for help, especially if you feel alone. So this is a very important episode with an important woman here today. So thank you, Chula, for being here. Thank you. Uh, Your expertise. Gracias. Thank you, Evelina. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. I'm more than happy to help. And this this is awesome. I'll answer any questions you got. Just shoot them at me. I'll, I'll, I'll find a way. Yay. Don't you forget it, listeners. Health is everything and health is wealth. So thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. E- thank you. That's a wrap. Gracias. Nos vemos pronto. Cuídate.